Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. What we're going to be talking about today is how you can spend less time preparing for client meetings, but still delivering the same amount of value. And this is going to be a good one, especially for, well, it can be helpful for you no matter where you are in your coaching journey. But I think especially for newer coaches, this is really helpful in my own experience. When I was in my first couple of years of coaching, I uh, had a special deference in my heart for clients that, let's be honest, it really stemmed from insecurity and wanting to bend over backwards and feel that whatever they said they wanted, I needed to make sure that I then implemented. And so I would kind of reinvent the wheel for every client that I had. And this meant that because I was doing it, the budget process differently for this client, client A versus client B versus client C, it was really hard to keep track of, well, how do I have it set up for this client? It is, mm-hmm. It's different than this client, but then it's also different from this client. Were they the one that had it set up with YNAB, but were, it, it, did I allow custom categories and banking structure with this client or that client? So yeah. that meant a lot more time note-taking, reviewing the notes ahead of time. And I'll be interested to, to chat with you and hear what you think in terms of balance of mm-hmm. always having the same structure and no flexibility versus complete flexibility and no set structure. And if there is a healthy balance there, um, but I found that it was really hard when I was starting off and allowing everyone to do something different. And so it certainly helped me in my practice to do less of that. I'm working still even to find what is a, a perfect balance for me. So I'm excited for this conversation and just to be able to share some tips, some approaches and best practices to help newer clients or newer coaches. But honestly, I think any coach can find this helpful because ultimately the more efficient we are, the more clients we can serve and the more money we make in our business, which is a win-win. Yeah. And on the balancing beam between standardization Mm -hmm. and customizing it for each client. Now, standardization does not mean standardization, you do it the same way as every other financial coach out there. Standardization is you have your own standardized process that is works for you, that works for how you want to coach, and most importantly, works for the needs of your niche, right? It's, it's built around and based around your niche. So when we talk about standardization, this is your personal standardization, not copy paste of whatever else is out there. That being said, on the balance beam between standardization over here yeah. We have our customization over here. Basically, standardization just takes over everything. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we should not be doing customization. Yeah. Yeah. Now, realize this is about 
your process, not about what you talk about with clients, because obviously different clients are going to have different goals. They're going to have different anxieties. They're going to have different challenges. They're going to have different levels of debt and different types of debt. So when we talk about standardization is 100% everything, it's about your process, not the actual individual conversation you're having with someone, right? The more that I've coached, the more I realized that really being a good coach is a combination of having set like these structures in place and those set processes and also understanding when or how to navigate the individual needs of each client while continuing to keep that structure and program in place because you have it for a reason and likely in your sales conversation and why specific clients want to work with you it's because you outline a program or process that's specific to their needs so yeah i've also found it's less effective as a coach to make everything individualized because you get away, or I'll say I had gotten away from the process that I know is most helpful. And yeah. so when you try to make it bespoke for everyone, it's easier to miss out on the core elements that are helpful for everyone in your, again, your niche. It's easier to do that. And it's also easier to fall into the fundamental trap of catering to clients. If you go to your doctor, <laughs> I was like, I know where this is going. Let's go. And your doctor says, you know what? You need to have open heart surgery. And you say, yeah, but you know what? I really feel like we should focus on my foot first. If your doctor says, you know what? You're right. Let's, let's redo everything and we'll work on your foot first. We'll worry about that heart attack later. That is not a good doctor. <laughs> if you go to an attorney and because you've watched so many law shows, you think you know how attorneys work and how the law system works. And you say, well, why aren't we working on the opening argument? Well, because that's like nine months down the road. There's like five months worth of paperwork to hopefully avoid the court case altogether that we still have to do. And the same thing is true for your clients. Why are your clients coming to you, Garrett? Generally, because they want help getting their financial ish together. Why didn't they do it themselves? Well, most of them tried to do it themselves for my particular client. They've tried it on their own and it hasn't worked for them. So why are we going to take our process and say, ah, th screw that process. Let's go with this person who we know for a fact, what their thoughts are, are not currently working for them, mm -hmm. but let's rearrange things so that we go according to their desires. I have an answer for that. Why would we do that? Well, because of insecurity, <laughs> yes. uh, because of a lack of confidence in our own process, maybe not even having set up a program or process. Mm -hmm. Those would be some of the main reasons that I would yeah. see doing that. None of them good reasons. <laughs> well, Meaning, well, they're, they're absolutely yeah. valid reasons, totally valid. They're just not things that you would say, that's how I want to build my business. Yeah, I probably wouldn't put that on the website. Uh, yeah. And so this is really why standardization really takes over everything. It, it's because when we customize, what we're actually doing is we are catering to the whims and the process that the client wants. But the fact that the client is coming to us should be a demonstration that that is not a good idea. Now, this doesn't mean that you just beat your client over the head and say, look, I am basically God in this relationship and you don't have a say in anything. So 
while yes, you want to stand firm in your process, assuming that you have a good one that's built and made for your clients, et cetera, et cetera, you want to do it in a way that makes the client feel heard. You want to do it in a way that allows the client to have agency and and decision-making over the things that are appropriate for them to have mm-hmm. and addresses some of the big issues that come up. So in my process with my normal clients, by my financial planning clients, I should say, first meeting is all about their goals. Second meeting also about their goals, but a big part of that second meeting is the putting out the fire, right? So whatever the big thing that's causing them anxiety, we're going to address that in the second meeting part of my standard process. If they don't have something like that, then we just don't do that. Fine. That that part of the second meeting is not done. There's a few other things that happen in the second meeting as well. And then we dump into the standard procedure. And your process doesn't have to be, I'm going to ignore everything that's coming from you. You can say, here is where we're going to deal with the thing that you think is most important. Because if you have that anxiety any of the other work we're going to do is probably not going to be helpful until that anxiety is quelled. But all of that being said, standardization is where it's at. That's where it, going back to our whole thing that we're starting with, which is efficiency, you cannot have efficiency. It's not possible to have efficiency without standardization. And the more standardization you have, the more effective you're going to be as a coach, the more your clients are going to feel like you know what you're doing. Yes. And the more that you're going to spend less time to give them that same level of value. I was in a prospect call recently and they kind of voiced a concern of just like, Hey, what does your process look like? And I was like, great. This is actually part of the presentation. Here's like what it looks like to go through these four, these four months. And yeah, I just started showing them a couple of things. They're like, okay, good. I just wanted to like, their fear was that I would just kind of be freewheeling and dealing and just like, mm-hmm. oh, let's just talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, about money. And so, you know, even they knew that it's not helpful to not have a structured program and process. So just you know, a recent interaction directly from a prospect that helped allay their fears. And now we're working together. Yeah. And a lot of prospects, by the way, will not ask that question and just expect you to give it. And this might be why people are not saying yes. I generally don't during my prospect calls, I generally don't go through my process. I have a separate way of getting that to them, but same thing. I make sure that every client, you know, you do it in a presentation. I do it in a different way. There's all sorts of different ways we can do it, but giving the client, no, this is the step-by-step thing. This is what you're going to get when you're going to get it is incredibly important also from a sales perspective. But let's talk about efficiency and, and why you want to build out that standardization. And really what we want to focus on is we want to focus on what happens during the meetings, what happens before each meeting, and what happens after each meeting. And it's important to realize that when we have, we'll just do two meetings, right? Meeting A and meeting B. The after of meeting A is not the before of meeting B. Those are two different things. There are going to be things that need to happen. The client needs to do, you need to do, and communication that needs to happen. In order to wrap up 
meeting A and allow the client to be ready to transition to meeting B. And then there's stuff that happens before meeting B that helps that transition and does the preparation work for that second meeting. And then you're saying with your third, your fourth, your fifth, et cetera, et cetera. And so when we think about creating a standard process, we want to think about, okay, what are these big things that I want to accomplish? And then what are the individual steps within that big thing? So there might be four big things we want to accomplish. We want to help them understand where their money is currently going. That's big thing. Number one, we want to help. I'm doing a very generic version, by the way. We want to help help them make sure that their banking structure is set up appropriately. So even if they have a plan, right, they know that their money is moving in a way or that they're not using credit cards, if that's a challenge for them, some banking structure could be too. We want to make sure that their budget is there, that they've budgeted, and we want to make sure that they have a plan for their debt. Let's say those are the four things. Wonderful. So now we can start to identify, okay, what has to happen before we have the meeting about where their money is in order to make that meeting productive? What has to happen during that meeting in order for the client to have the breakthroughs that we want to have them happen? And what happens to have, has to happen afterwards so that it's not just, oh, okay, now I realize it and now I just flush it out of my mind. Kind of like an implementation phase yeah. or helping them and making sure that you are actively helping them implement and not leaving it to just like, cool. Yeah. Good luck. Making sure they help, that they help them implement. It could also be they've realized how much money they're spending. With a lot of clients, there's guilt associated with that when they first figure out what their, where their money is going. And so it might be helping them. There might be something that happens after that first meeting to help them transition from guilt to hope. Because it's probably not going to happen during the meeting. They're probably going to have that nag on them for a while. So as we look at all of these different pieces and all of these different sort of elements, as we transition from one major thing to the other, that becomes our process. And that drives What should our emails look like that we send to them at each stage? What should follow-up information be? As we create deliverables, what should those deliverables include within them? So that we have this standard thing. We have, you know, we're going to have an Excel sheet deliverable, a budget Excel sheet, because, you know, kind of the stereotypical one. And it's always the same. It is laid out the same. It is structured the same for every client. And it means that as you're going through and putting the pieces in, that it it just becomes rote for you. And then as your business grows, as you hire a virtual assistant, as you hire another coach or other things, it's very easy to say, all right, let me walk you through how to create this thing so that it's ready for my meeting with my client. You put this here, you put this here, you put this here, you put this here, you put this here. Yeah. Because it's standard for every client. And that's when, as you start to scale your business, you can actually effectively bring on other people. Because ultimately, at some point where, and this is sort of a a transition that I did last year, I spent an enormous amount of time and an enormous amount of money on this. And I continually spend an enormous amount of money on efficiency. But that is. Well, it's also because you have two kids, three jobs, <laughs> you kind of have to. I have to, yes. But even if I didn't, I'd be wanting yeah. to do it anyway, because I want to reclaim more of my time. 
For sure. And so ultimately the goal when you went that is that you're able to have someone else do that sort of, we'll call it busy work. It's not worthless busy work. It's actually important, but it is work that someone else can do if it's standardized. So that when you go into the client meeting, you just have this document that's already created. You know exactly what to do with it because everything is the same every single time. And you start to be able to provide the same level of value with a lot less of your time. Now, we just talked about why it's important when your business grows to a point when you hire other people. Let's take that exact same concept and apply it to when you aren't grown to hiring other people. You're struggling to find clients. The more you have a standardized process, the less time it's going to take you to put together that budget worksheet or anything else that we're talking about the more you will be able to effectively work in the meetings with the client, the more you'll be able to give direction to the client of what to do next because everything's the same. So it's the same directions for everything. So the more you can have the client take on more of those roles and those efforts. And that frees up time to do things that aren't really important, like, you know, finding more clients. I see what you did there. And, you know, maybe a nice byproduct, or uh, I won't say it sarcastically, a good byproduct of serving clients well is oftentimes client referrals, especially if you have a structured mm -hmm. process around yeah. how you ask for those. So, yes, additional time for sales, additional, like providing better service, which can lead to more referrals. Yeah, yeah, it's worth it. And when you find, when you start to build relationships in a year down the with possible referral partners, and a year down the road, they trust you enough to actually start doing it. Part of that building that trust and parting, part of them being able to explain what you do is being able to say, here's what my standardized process is. And it, it's really important for people to realize that a lot of people say, oh, I'll worry about the efficiency later, stuff later, because I've got more time than money right now. So I can kind of waste time in the beginning. And that is just factually wrong. You want and I've totally thought it, so <laughs> I'm, I'm totally guilty here. The reasons why it's important change. Later on, you literally cannot grow your business any further unless you get efficient because you just don't have any time left to bring on the clients that are asking to come on. After that, you can't bring on and effectively hire assistants and other people to help you as you grow your business and train them because there's nothing to train them on. But at the very beginning, you don't have time to be able to do the marketing and the sales and the networking that you need to build your business. And so the reason why efficiency is important changes as your business grows and changes but it's always going to be one of the fundamental things that's going to determine success or failure within a business. It just determines it in different ways at different stages. Now, I will say there are times where this doesn't work. So I said my financial planning clients, we have one meeting that's devoted to this. My business owner clients, generally when they come to me, they are coming to me because they have tried to build the business on their own. They've had some level of success, but they're realizing that there are a ton of fires that are going on in their business right now. And that's why they're coming to me for business consulting. 
And for those people, I have a standardized process, but (laughs) it's kind of thrown out the window. And I describe it as an organic and a standardized process where we'll deal with whatever's going on in your business to put out fires. And when you don't have fires going on, when there isn't something urgent happening, then we'll go into that process. Now, this sounds like, okay, well, we don't really know when the process is going to happen or not. I describe it that way because that makes people feel comfortable. But the fact is, we start with identifying all the fires that are currently going on. I have a plan in the background for getting us through those fires. And the goal is to get into the standardized process as quickly as possible, depending on the business and how big the fires are, will depend on how long that takes. But it's not, although I describe it as on an ongoing basis, this is what we're going to do. That is never what the experience is for the client. Everyone gets dumped into the standardized process at the end because the fires disappear once you have that standardized process. And so it's just a matter of, there's a phrase, getting the pig through the snake. When a snake eats a pig, it's got like a big bulge in it. The only way to get that bulge out is just allow it to go through, right? Yeah. And so that's the idea with my business clients, client business clients that are doing consulting. And so there are different ways of doing this, but it's still, we need to get to standardized. And a question that I could see coming up, and I asked this question in the, in the community recently, of, you know, do you have people go through a standardized process or is it more custom? You know, do you choose the tool for them or kind of let them pick, you know, from within your expertise of tools, which one they want to choose. And so I could see one of the things that you would need to do in order to have your standardized process is be able to address client concerns around, well, what if this doesn't work for me? Or like being able to have good reasons and Mm -hmm. being able to explain those proactively as to why your system is set up the way that it is and not just being God, kind of as you said, but understanding what their concerns will be so that you can speak to why your process is set up in the way that it is so that it will help them be successful. Now, of course, that doesn't mean ignore anything that any of those concerns that come up, but I think that that's also a really important thing to keep in mind. Yeah. And what I would say to that is if you are not just randomly trying to build a process in launch, the, you know, there's two weeks devoted to this in phase one, and then phase two is eight months devoted to this right? With a very structured sequence of things around how do you figure out, take the research about your, your niche and use it to build that process. And the reason why there's so much effort on that is number one, that's going to be how you actually serve clients. So it's kind of the basis of the business, (laughs) but number two, it's because as you build it out with so much intentionality, Um, And you build it out as you're working with clients, right? That's the ideal situation so that you're able to test things. But as you build it out with so much intentionality, it becomes very easy to explain and defend. Here is why this happens, then this happens, then this happens. Here's why we're doing this. Because it's not just something that you grab because you heard other people doing it. It's because you built it around the needs of the client, of that ideal niche, And so it's very easy to say, look, we do this because the people that I work with have these specific needs. 
Well, the person on the other end, whether they're a client or a prospect are going, oh yeah, I do. I have those needs. Great. So check. And we do this because this works to meet those needs in this way. And you explain how it meets the needs. And now they're seeing, oh, wonderful. There's, there's hope at the end of the tunnel. They can see that how this is going to help them. And then this also sets us up to do this thing next, which meets this set of needs. And they go, oh my God, those are my needs too. And it makes your sales pitch really easy because you're not really pressuring them. Come on, don't you want to pay down your debt? It's literally, this is built to meet these needs. I have those needs. Wonderful. And it's going to get us set up to meet these next set of needs. I have those needs too. Wonderful. And so the more intentionality you have around building it, the more standardized you have the process, the assuming that it's built not by copying and pasting from things you've seen elsewhere, but actually thinking through it, the easier, the, the less you're going to have to worry about that with clients. Because when prospects say, well, why do we do it this way? Do have a very solid, very compelling reason why. Because there's lots of ways to do it. This way just happens to help people with your needs. Great point. What haven't we covered in the last couple of minutes that you want to make sure that we touch on? So we talked about process a lot. Templates, 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 templates. Uh, You need to have templates for everything. So when my clients go into my financial planning program, there is an Excel sheet template that I have a paraplanner take care of and fill out for me. There is a checklist for all the things that I need from the clients so that I can send them that checklist and they all get it. There's a process for my paraplanner at the right time to go through and check to see what documents are missing and provide for me before the second meeting where part of it is talking about what's still missing, my checklist of things they still don't have in there. (laughs) Well, you're also a checklist fanatic. Oh my God, I love checklists. None of this surprises me. You're weird. You're just weird. Um, You're my co-host, but you're weird. Yeah. Uh, I have a a template presentation so that my paraplanner can go in and actually build out the presentation. Again, for those of you saying, well, I don't have a paraplanner. No, you do. You are your own paraplanner. If you are building the presentation from scratch every time, it means that you're spending four hours preparing for a client meeting. If you have a template where it's, Slide eight, nine, and 12 that get changed, and specifically these bullet points on those slides that get changed. Then you open up the template, jump straight to eight, nine, and 12, put that information in, and you're done. And you've taken 10 minutes of your time rather than two hours of your time to prepare for the meeting. And one thing I'll say is you don't just get time back, but you also get confidence in yourself as a business owner by having Mm -hmm. your stuff together, which is like a very nice byproduct. Yeah. That may not be the ultimate reason that you're doing it, but it's just like you feel like a better business owner because you're serving clients better, you're more efficient. And so it's just like a very nice byproduct of having yeah. your stuff together too. Yeah, absolutely. And you can do templates for everything. You know, there are templates, you can email templates, follow-up templates, right? E- everything can be templatized so that, yes, you go in and you customize it, but you're customizing one sentence instead of the entire email. I don't even send the checklist to the clients. Uh, I spent a lot of money on a system that allows me to do this. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You can build pieces of this along the way. The old way of doing it was I had a Word document that literally just had all my templates in it, and I would copy and paste from that and then make the customizations. But now when a client schedules a certain meeting, 
on a certain follow-up point, an email is automatically generated to the client with the checklist attached to it and an explanation of what needs to get done. And it comes directly from my email. And you may not be there yet. That's kind of like level 301 course, but I think it's helpful to know what, what is possible and what to be working toward. But it's also working toward it also means doesn't, that doesn't mean though that you can't get benefits from that because you can have the template email in a word document. You have to write it every time, right? Yeah. You don't have to write it every time you can. I know after this meeting, this is the email that goes out, copy at the end of the meeting, copy from the word document, paste it in there, make the two little customizations you need to make and then schedule the send for four days later. Cause that's when the email is supposed to be sent. So you don't have to have all of the efficiencies to have pieces of them start to help you. So don't feel like you have to get to a certain point to start putting these processes together. As your business grows, just like the, the reason why you need it changes, the level of automation or the level of process changes, your financial ability to do these more complex things changes, but that doesn't mean you can't do them in other ways early on. And so don't feel like because, oh, I'm not where this business is, I can't do any of those things. Look at them and say, okay, what are the things that I can do? Even if it's just have a Word document with your email templates in it. And that is honestly a huge leap ahead of having to go back to previous emails and just like find kind of what you wrote to a previous client and then like trying to find that email and copying it into a new email. Like, and even doing that is better than writing everything from scratch, right? So they're a little, I love that baby steps along the way. I have a template document for my classes where when students, because students will ask me the, the same thing same over and over question. and over again. So I literally have a template document when a student asks me a question that I am not going to answer in email. I copy and paste and say, hey, great question. I really love your insight. Uh, this is not something that I can really answer over email. My office hours are on the syllabus. Let's have a conversation about this so that I can help you with it. That is a standard template that I just copy and paste. And you can do this for anything. And I'm not going to spend thousands of dollars to build a system for teaching, but I am going to spend an hour or two to build the templates. <laughs> totally. Anything else besides what we talked about? And I like at some point spend a thousand dollars for a few thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. But, like if it was uh, helpful enough, you would. Yeah, I would. I absolutely would. Yeah, I, I think those are the big things. It's it's really about having things standard, having your process standard, having the deliverables you give to clients standards, your presentation templates standardized, the communication you have with clients standardized. The more standardization you can do, the more benefit you can give to clients and the less time it'll take you. And the last thing that I want to say is don't lie to yourself and say, well, I can't do it standardized because I want to treat every client individually. I want to be able to provide blah, 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 blah. Standardization does not mean that every client gets the exact same experience. And standardization does not mean that you're cheating the client of the experience. It's the opposite. Because when you the more standardization you have, the more opportunity you have to be present with the client for the things that are truly individual 
like their personal struggles, their personal anxieties. The more, the less standardization you have, honestly, the less you can be there for them in those things that truly do need to be one-on-one and personalized. I love it. Let's end it there. Josh, thank you as always. And we'll see you all around in the group. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall there if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. Thank you.